The following is a conversation with Andrew Sipley. Andrew is a co-movement coach and nutrition expert. Today, we're going to dive into the popular carnivore diet. We're going to discuss what it is, the benefits, what you can and cannot eat while following this diet, where you can learn more and educate yourself on this diet, and then finally, recommendations for someone looking to implement this way of eating. You are listening to the Co-Movement Gym Podcast, where we inspire people to move and live courageously. If you are enjoying this content, please support our sponsors in the description. I thank each and every one of you for being on this journey with us. Now, please enjoy the show. Folks, listen up. I want to take a brief moment and thank our podcast show sponsors, Lombardi Chiropractic, Native Path Supplements, and Redmond Life. Lombardi Chiropractic has been my personal chiropractor for 10 years and has kept my body strong and healthy. Native Path Supplements are used by numerous co-movement clients and our coaching team here at the facility. I highly recommend that you try their chocolate collagen peptides. I was made aware of Redmond Light by one of our trainers here at the facility. He recommended I try Relight Electrolyte Powder. This supplement has dramatically improved my afternoon energy levels and overall hydration. I'd like to thank these three companies for providing outstanding service and products that make our society healthier and more resilient. Mention the Co-Movement Gym Podcast when you call Lombardi Chiropractic, and not only will they treat you like family, they will provide a nice, enticing discount to all listeners. And use code COMO15, that's C-O-M-O-15, at checkout when shopping at nativepath.com or redmond.life and receive 15% off all your orders. Your support to our show sponsors assists in us paying for expenses and continuing to provide content we hope you all enjoy. Okay, and we're back. Part two, carnivore diet. Andy and I in the studio. How yep. you doing? Not too bad. How you doing, bud? Good. Um, so I guess we'll start off with some stuff that's probably going to blow the minds of some people. Yeah. With vegetables and plants. Right before we get into that, just to kick off this episode, I'll just give a, a really brief, um, j- just an introduction to what we're going to talk about. Uh, a little bit of an argument for carnivore here. Because um, this is something we talked about on the podcast before, how all the diseases of modern civilization are rising dramatically. So like obesity, diabetes, heart disease, cancer, Alzheimer's. Um, and we've talked in previous episodes about how these are all related to the modern Western diet, um, specifically to sugar and uh, seed oils, vegetable seed oils. Um, and note that those things come from plants. You know, sugar comes from sugar cane and it's found in plants like fruits and stuff like that. Um, and seed oils obviously all come from vegetables, you know, soybean oil, cottonseed oil, corn oil, all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's eliminated on the carnivore diet. Proponents of the carnivore diet take that a little bit further though. So one of the big, uh, things about the carnivore diet is they say that not only are these processed plant products, you know, the breads and cereals and seed oils and things, not only are those bad for you, which we've covered before, and we know that, but they say that even fresh vegetables and fruits are bad for you and, you know, problematic in various ways. Um, and that the optimal human diet should be 100% meat, fish, eggs, animal products. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what we're going to look at 
to kick off this one is how are fresh fruits and vegetables bad for you when we've heard the opposite for so long. And I'm interested in hearing hearing that. So yeah. (laughs) Well, okay. So we'll dive right in. And this is uh this is gonna be a slightly more nitty-gritty uh episode than the last one, but we'll get some cool information out here that might blow people's minds. Um so carnivore proponents, you'll hear this all the time, they'll say that plants are trying to kill you. Um which it might be a little bit of hyperbole, but they're also kind of right. Um, plants don't want to be eaten just like no animal wants to be eaten, but plants can't fight back. They don't have claws they can't run away or anything like that. So they have to resort to chemical warfare. Basically. Um, they make, there are various things that we could put in a group called plant toxins. And these are things, these are defense chemicals that plants make that are, that are literally toxic to animals and insects and things like that, which prevent the animals from eating the plant or that will make the animals sick. So they won't go back and eat the plant again. So there's a lot of plant toxins that we'll talk about. And then there's anti-nutrients as well in, in a lot of plants. And these are chemicals the plants make that will bind to vitamins and minerals and other nutrients and make them, uh, almost completely, um, unabsorbable to the animal that's eating them. So if you're, if you're taking in, you know, if, if animals are trying to eat these plants and they're taking in things that are toxic to them, or they're not getting any nourishment because of all the, these anti-nutrients and stuff, that's a good way for the plant to dissuade predators from, from eating them. Mm-hmm. Um, especially insects. A lot of these plant toxins are, are, are designed. They're basically pesticides that the plant naturally makes to avoid predation from pests mm-hmm. from insects and other small animals and stuff mm-hmm. but humans are bigger we can usually eat these things and, and an insect might die we can usually get away with it but it still causes problems in our body mm-hmm. um here's something that would uh, kind of blow your mind probably study so studies have shown that there are thousands of like five to ten thousand known carcinogens that naturally occur naturally um in many common vegetables that oh we wow eat. yeah um, many of which are potent enough that the, um, I'm sorry, many of these natural plant toxins that the plant makes itself are more potent than the chemical pesticides that we spray really? on vegetables. Yeah. Like that, wow. that really shocked me. I thought, <laughs> I thought we were putting the heavy duty stuff, like people who spray pesticides and herbicides yeah. and fungicides on their gardens and vegetables. I thought we were putting like the really heavy duty chemicals on there. Plants make their own natural pesticides that are even more potent than the stuff we spray. Really? How did you find that out or what study or what? Like, I do not have a reference for this one. Some of these things I do have references for. I can't, but that's how you you found it though. Yeah. Some reliable source. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Wow. Um, so, oh, actually here, I've got it right here. There was a 1990 study. Um, I can't remember the author's name. It started with an A it might've been Abram or something like that. But there was a study done in 1990 that showed that 99%, and actually in the study, they said 99.99% of all the pesticides that human beings consume are actually naturally occurring in the plants themselves. What? So only, only 0.01% of the pesticides that we consume are from things that we put on the plants. Wow, this this is, I'm going to spend some time looking into that. I can send you that study. Yeah. I'll have to find the, the the guy's name, but yeah, that was uh, you know published in peer reviewed research and sure, yeah. Wow. So that was really fascinating. Yeah, because I'm a big everyone knows. Listen to this, like glyphosate, Roundup, yeah. like I hate that shit. 
Um, whoa. So this is, yeah, okay. I'm going to look into that. It doesn't surprise me necessarily. Um, you know, especially when you start looking at when we started to eat so much more of these vegetables and right, mm -hmm. like our health started to potentially decline right around that same time period. Whether yeah. that's, you know, it's a hypothesis, but like pretty good one. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's, 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 uh, it's pretty well proven that our health did decline. The hypothesis is like, what was the reason for sure. it? Um, and this is, uh, this is a, a reasonable conclusion that the carnivore proponents are coming to. So it's got me interested anyway. <laughs> that just freaked everyone out, including myself. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So yeah, anti-nutrients and plant defense compounds, we can call them plant mm -hmm. toxins. That's mm -hmm. what we're going to talk about here to kick this one off. Okay. So I've got a list of some just so that people can kind of get an idea of what are in common vegetables and fruits and whatnot and what they do in your body. Um, I guess I'll just kind of run through the list here. It'll take a second to talk about each one, but this is pretty interesting stuff. So um, in no particular order, we can talk about oxalates first. So oxalates are found in uh, dark green leafy vegetables like spinach, as well as uh, many nuts. Um, they're really high in almonds, for example, um, beans. And unfortunately for me, uh, dark chocolate contains a lot of oxalates. <laughs> and I, I love dark chocolate, but uh Oxalates are anti-nutrients that deplete our body's levels of calcium, iron, and other essential minerals. Um, so like, for example, we talked about this on the last episode, but spinach contains a lot of uh, calcium and iron, but we absorb very little of it because the oxalates in spinach bind to those minerals and make them completely unavailable to humans. So it's interesting to see like the, the back of a package of spinach and see that it's got, you know, 40% of your daily calcium. And you think, mm -hmm. great, I'm doing something for my bones and teeth mm -hmm. or whatever. But then you find out that of that 40% of your daily calcium, maybe you're only able to absorb and use like 2% of it, you know? Sure. Um, so this is just one of those things where people think that vegetables are so nutritious, all these vitamins and minerals, but a lot of times they're unusable. You're not even digesting them. Yeah, right. It's like yeah. taking a pill and then shitting the pill out. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so one of the, one of the big problems with oxalates is that they do build up in our bodies over time. So the more you eat things that have oxalates, the, the higher, the more they accumulate in your body. No way. Yeah. And they lead to kidney stones and, uh, renal damage, like kidney damage. Huh. So a lot of, um, kidney stones are made of like calcium oxalate or whatever. Um, they're usually oxalate based kidney stones. Um, that's probably one of the biggest reasons to avoid oxalates. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. They're also toxic to pretty much every other system in our body, but for various, <laughs> various reasons. So that's oxalates, which was a big bummer for me because I really love dark chocolate. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to, what are you, you going to modify anything or no? Well, I think. Cause um, I'm thinking of going on a half a bar. That's me too. Yeah, like, okay. and so I typically eat, um, anywhere from one bar of dark chocolate to a half a bar a day. Okay, so um, I eat one bar and, a day. And, yeah, and I usually do too. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to probably bring that down to half a bar just, just to be safe. And there's something else in there too, isn't there? Something else in dark chocolate? Or was, there, was, um, that, was that what I was thinking? Oxalates are the okay. main thing. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next one we can talk about, this is a, a really big one. This is important, are lectins. Mm -hmm. Um they're found in the highest amount in grains. So pretty much any grain product, you know, bread, cereal, pasta, all that kind of stuff. Rice. Um, spinach. Uh, oh, rice. rice. Yep, yep. Oatmeal. Yep. Lectins are found in, in a lot of other um, vegetables okay. too. I mean, they're, they're in pretty much everything in the plant world. They're sure. not in animal product. Well, actually, 
you do get a small amount of lectins when you eat meat. That's because the meat is eating yep. grass and stuff yep. and it ends up in their tissues. You but, are what you eat. Eats. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But by far the, the, the largest amount are in grains, legumes, and other vegetables. Um, lectins are, so the most well-known lectin is one we all know about that's gluten. So gluten is one of the lectins. Um, but lectins are the, basically the proteins that plants make as part of their own immune system to defend against predators. They bind to the, the lining of our small intestine and poke holes in the small intestine, which leads to leaky gut syndrome. Which so many people have. A lot of people have. Yeah, it's a huge <sighs> issue. And think of how much wheat products we eat. Like lectins are massive in wheat products. And that's like half the... Well, 90% of the supermarket, and it, right? Even if it's gluten-free wheat or There's, organic wheat. Gluten-free is great because at least you're getting rid of one of the most okay. uh, one of the most um, problematic lectins, well, which is, is there, gluten. There is no, there isn't gluten-free wheat, though. No, it would be organic wheat is what I'm thinking. Is people would choose that. There's, but there's still lectins in organic wheat. Right. Right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. But because there's a lot of different lectins, gluten is only one of them. Yep. If you can get something that's gluten free, then at least you're getting rid of that one specific, yes, very problematic lectin. But there's many more. But can you have gluten free wheat? I don't think so. Maybe it's an oxymoron. That's right. actually a really good. I don't. I don't think so. No, okay. I don't think they could remove. So all when of I first said that, what I was referencing for people listening is organic wheat, right? Because people because we're doing when, better with that version. Yeah, because when they make gluten free products, like say a gluten free bread or a gluten free pasta or a gluten free cereal, yeah. they're just not putting wheat in there. Yes, you know, like yes, that's, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, so organic wheat still has lectins in it. Oh yeah, yeah a lot. Okay, yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, yeah, so like I said, they punch holes in your small intestine, they lead to leaky gut syndrome, and that leads to all sorts of autoimmune disorders because once once you have leaky gut syndrome, that means that things in your digestive tract that should not get into your blood can now leak through your intestinal wall and go into your blood. And when these foreign things that should not be in your blood are in there, your immune system tries to attack them. And a lot of these lectins look a lot like the proteins we have in our own body and your immune system doesn't know the difference. So your immune system is reacting to these lectins and it starts attacking your own body's proteins, which leads to just all sort pretty much any autoimmune disease um, can be linked to uh, um, holes in their intestinal line. Yeah, like leaky gut syndrome. Because of food. They, they food go together. Through it. Sure. Then it's yeah. a foreign, the food coming through the intestinal wall is a foreign invader. Yeah. Leading possibly to an autoimmune disease, yeah. which a lot of people have. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, that's yeah. pretty big. One of the biggest reasons over the last five years that I've been following the carnivore diet, one of the biggest reasons that people go on carnivore is because they have autoimmune issues. No way. And it's, okay. yeah, like that's, that's the first population that got really big into the carnivore diet was people with autoimmune issues that couldn't figure out what was going on. They couldn't solve it. And then they go carnivore and their autoimmune like, issues go away. It's like Jordan Peterson, right? Didn't he have a yeah. ton of autoimmune issues or something along those lines? Yeah. And then he but, went carnivore and his daughter too. Right. And yep. like, they were like, it might've been, might been his daughter, Michaela, that was, that had the more autoimmune okay. issues, massive like gut issues and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And, uh, and I think like achy joints everywhere, like oh, sort of a rheumatoid yeah. arthritis yeah. sort of thing. Severe. Yeah. And, uh, and she went carnivore and all of her autoimmune issues went away. Now she would, looks great. Yeah. She has a kid. Yeah. And like she looks totally different. She was like bedridden, like mm -hmm. messed up. Yeah. And then she switched to, I think she just eats like 
red meat. Yeah, that's pretty much her entire <laughs> and diet. salt. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> it feels great. Yeah. Okay. Um, with Jordan, I think it was more um, um, mental health issues, maybe that alleviated with his carnivore. I, can't, I don't know for sure, but mm-hmm. that does make sense because lectins that we're talking about also lead to systemic inflammation, especially inflammation in the brain. Um, there was a book by Dr. Perlmutter that I read maybe 10 years ago called uh, The Grain Brain, where he discussed all the problems that lectins cause as far as brain inflammation, how it um, correlates with uh, dementia and other like brain fog and, and memory issues and things like that. So a lot of people are using the carnivore diet to kind of alleviate brain frog, brain fog and like, you know, mental health concerns. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And we know like the mental health issues, anxiety, depression, especially reading this in a book now, um, skyrocketing. Yeah, right? yeah. And we can, that's a whole nother thing, right? There's many reasons. And oh, whatnot, yeah. But that could be part of that, you yeah. know, so. The last thing I'll just say about um, lectins and gluten, especially is um, some people think, well, geez, we've been like, re- like growing wheat and making breads for thousands of years. Why is this more of an issue right now? And I'm interested in that because I know like Weston A. Price talks about like sourdough breads yep. and all this is like original, you know, we've yep. done this forever. And Weston Price will talk about, um, so like, like, grains. like, yeah. And making them in the, um, kind of the old style, yep. however yep. they used yep. to be produced Yep. because studies showed that the wheat we produce today has 90% more lectins in it than the wheat we grew just a hundred years ago. So, I mean, we started like growing wheat and using it a lot, like five to 10,000 years ago, Mm -hmm. but you only have to go back a hundred years and you compare that wheat to the wheat that we have now, there's 90% more lectins in what we grow now. And do you know why that is? Uh, no, is it? It's done on purpose. It's, this is all that genetically modified wheat and stuff that, is being used like everywhere. Lectins, remember, these are plant defense chemicals. Mm-hmm. Um, lectins will uh, make the, the wheat more hardy and more resistant to insects and pests and stuff like that so they can get a better yield when they no grow it. Way. So they've been they've genetically modified wheat to produce more lectins. They've done it on purpose to make it so they can get more out of their farming. No way. Yeah. Wow. So then... You take someone that's making the old style sourdough bread and this and that. They need to find like an ancient grain, right? Is there any such thing? To be honest, I don't know. Is there no way? To be honest, I don't know because what I I do know, my take is no matter what, like even the wheat we grew 5,000 years ago still had lectins and was still not Mm -hmm. good for your health anyway, for all the reasons that wheat is bad for you. Mm -hmm. So if you could find a way to make bread, let's say in like the style that we made it, you know, a couple thousand years ago or something, it's still not good for you. So, so do I, do, gotcha. I, do I care if I'm eating something that's sure. terrible for me or something that's bad for me? I just don't want it either <laughs> sure. way. That's a great point. Okay. We'll move on from there. <laughs> yep. All right. So that covers uh, lectins and gluten for us. Um, the next one I'll talk about is uh, saponins. So saponins are found in grains, beans, and legumes. Um, They bind to various nutrients, inhibiting our ability to use them. So just another anti-nutrient found in a lot of plants, especially grains. And saponins also cause leaky gut, very similar to lectins, kind of the same mechanism there. 
Um, the next one, though, this is kind of a big one, uh, an important one, phytates. And you hear about this a lot, like carnivore proponents will talk about the dangers of phytates and phytic acid. Um, phytates are found in grains, mostly. That's the, the really big thing. They also bind to minerals and other nutrients, especially calcium, iron, zinc, magnesium, copper, and even some proteins. Uh, once bound by phytates, these minerals become pretty much almost entirely unabsorbable. Sure. Um, <clears throat> high levels are also found in nuts as well, like almonds and, and other nuts. But uh, there was a really interesting study I found. Um, so one thing, you know, we're, we're talking about all these anti-nutrients that bind to vitamins and minerals and make them unusable for humans. Um, and so you think, okay, so you know, a, a plant with phytates in it, for example, maybe I won't be able to absorb all the nutrients out of that. But these plant uh, anti-nutrients also affect the other foods you eat. Um, so there's this interesting study where uh, they they looked at um, the absorption that people had from eating oysters mm -hmm. so uh, of zinc. So everyone knows that, or a lot of people know that uh, oysters are really high in zinc. Mm -hmm. That's why a lot of guys are told to eat oysters. Yeah, from right? testosterone. Yeah, exactly. So what they did was they fed a bunch of people in this study um, oysters, and then they were able to measure how much of the zinc was absorbed from the oysters. And it was, you know, really high, like almost all of it was absorbed, 95% or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then they gave them another meal where they had oysters and uh, corn. So it's a kind of a mixed meal, mm -hmm. right? And um, they eat this meal of oysters and corn. And now only like 20% or something like that of the zinc was absorbed from the oysters because it was all bound up by these phytates that were found in the corn. So it's kind of interesting because people might think that they're eating something healthy, like say a steak or some eggs or something like yeah. that. And maybe as a side dish, they'll have some vegetables. Yeah. You know, you, you throw some, some vegetables in your scrambled eggs to make an omelet or something like yeah. that. And you don't realize that these anti-nutrients in the, the plants are binding to the, the vitamins and minerals in the animal products and making them useless. So they pass right through you. That's amazing to me. How many, how many meals we're consuming that we're not absorbing the majority of the nutrients. Right. Or at least a significant portion. Yeah. 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 Cause I mean, we always, when we make meals, we tend to include a lot of different ingredients and often I are, do. yeah, there's vegetables and herbs yeah. and things like that thrown in. Like I love, I love to throw, or I always did like a bunch of vegetables into my eggs to make a big yeah. like veggie <laughs> omelet sort of thing. Not knowing that I was decreasing the amount of nutrition that I was getting from the eggs yep. by including all these vegetables. Unbelievable. Yeah. This really keeps interesting. Getting, getting better or worse, depending <laughs> on who you are. Well, knowledge is power. So hopefully better in the long run, right? Yeah. Tell you the truth. Like, and I've said this, I don't know if it's this one or the prior episode, but, um, you know, it, this simplifies eating too. Like it's, it's so easy to overcomplicate it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, 50 different vegetables and fruits and nuts and seeds. And like, I find that the more mature I become in terms of my knowledge with food and whatnot, the simpler it gets. Yeah. And the carnivore diet is about as simple as it gets. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got a few more to hit here. Well, I got about five more on the list. So we'll, we'll get through this. Try not to make it too long, but the next one are tannins and people might've heard of tannins because uh, they talk about that in red wine a lot. Like mm -hmm. winemakers are always trying to get the tannin content, right? Um, it's, it's the compound that gives red wine. It's kind of dry flavor or, you know, whatever you would call it palate. 
Um, tannins are these polyphenols that are found in red wine, coffee, and unfortunately for me, chocolate. Wow. <laughs> I like coffee and chocolate, but so tannins are just another anti-nutrient that bind to various minerals, making it harder to absorb. Okay. And those are in vegetables and grains? Uh, just grains? I, I think to some extent they might be in some vegetables and grains, mm -hmm. but um, what they're most well-known for is being in uh chocolate coffee and red wine gotcha okay yeah, those, gotcha. those are the really big things um next one on the list solanin um solanin you, you hear a lot about people having problems with nightshades um solanin is one of the main things in nightshades to give people a lot of issues and people have really big issues with nightshades so nightshades are potatoes um i think eggplant is in there tomatoes peppers those are the most widely consumed mm -hmm. nightshades mm -hmm. Um, and you hear all the time about people. So solanin, this thing that's in nightshades, causes systemic inflammation. It's really, it's well known to exacerbate arthritis, um, and it also irritates the digestive tract, leading to irritable bowel syndrome um, and other GI issues. And that's what you hear. A lot of people have like stomach problems mm -hmm. and GI upset. And what they eventually find through elimination diets is that it was the nightshades causing those problems. So they just, once they eliminate that group, their, their IBS symptoms go away. That was brought to my attention a while back by Rob Wolf. Oh, he yeah. talks a lot about nightshades yeah, and yep. the negative effects. Think about how many potatoes, tomatoes, eggplant, like we eat, right? In yeah. a normal oh, diet. Yeah. Um, and people think they're healthy. Now you don't eat potatoes, right? If ever. Rarely, rarely. Yeah. Yeah, I, sure. I like them, but I just don't really eat them. Sure, or tomatoes. I never eat tomatoes. I don't like okay. tomatoes. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I'm not a huge fan. Tomato sauce, maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I honestly, and I, I used to eat a lot of potatoes, like mm -hmm. sweet potatoes. Yep. Amazing, <laughs> sweet. Potatoes. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, me too. But um, now I'm eating less. You know, I'm, I've switched over to more like squash pumpkin type setups. Yeah. Um, which are better? Which yep. we'll get into that down. Yeah, down definitely. The road here. Um, so I got a couple more left here. We've got glucosinolates. Um, these are found in cruciferous vegetables. So think like Brussels sprouts, broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, um, kale has a lot of glucosinolates. Um. And they prevent the body from absorbing iodine, which is crucial and essential, and various other minerals like iron and zinc. Mm -hmm. um, Question real yeah. quick on iodine. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, do you just take an iodine salt? Is that how you get your iodine? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That, that's actually, if people wonder why when they buy salt at the grocery store, most of it says that it's iodized. Yep. That just means that they've added iodine to the salt. Yep. And the reason for that is there was a, a big epidemic of people being deficient in iodine. Mm -hmm. um, With the thyroid and all yep, that yep, issues. Thyroid so. issues and stuff like that. So as a preventative measure, um, I'm not sure who came up with this, whether it was the USDA or what, but um, they started adding iodine to salt mm -hmm. since pretty much everyone uses salt. Mm -hmm. And that was just a way to make sure that there were no iodine deficiencies. But sea salt doesn't have iodine unless it's no. added. Right. Yeah, right. correct. Yeah. Now, are you okay with normal salt? Oh, like, yeah. Where... I like I like the Redmond Real Salt. That's my favorite. Yeah, but I'm saying though that doesn't have iodine. Right, correct. Yeah. So are you using regular salt at all, like uh, well, with some, iodine in it? Sometimes. Um, okay. Because sometimes I'm somewhere where I don't have my, my sure. salt at home. But how yeah. do you get, how does the listener get iodine in their diet if they're not 
taking it and say they're salt with iodine. They're doing sea salt exclusively. Well, generally, um, think, of, think, of, think of how much sodium and stuff is in a lot of like foods at the supermarket and whatever. whatever. Yeah. Like um, even if it's not the salt that you're putting on your food, most people are getting iodized sea salt mixed into various foods that okay. they buy. Okay. Um, but as far as uh, I think iodine deficiencies are extreme, are pretty rare these days. Okay, sure. Um, so I think it's something you'd only have to worry about if you were tested and had a deficiency, sure, in sure, which sure. case you could get an iodine supplement, which is sure. easy enough. Okay. Um, but animal products do provide like, if like the levels of iodine that you would want, like seafood and, they do? and even meat. Yeah. Really? Because these animals need iodine just like we do. And yeah. it accumulates in their tissues just like, in us so you think eating a carnivore diet then for the most part provides enough iodine in yeah the, the carnivore diet has no nutritional deficiencies whatsoever uh, okay because yeah. i get freaked out about this um because i've heard the iodine story and thyroid and stuff before yeah, yeah. i don't i do mainly sea salt right yeah. and so i don't supplement iodine and i don't eat like a lot of what kelp or right you yep. know that and yet so, you have no signs of iodine well i don't know well, i'm assuming i don't right, right? You so no thyroid issues and not that i know <laughs> of so um okay but if we're getting it then from these food groups and that that's good to yep. know. yeah okay. you'd be fine on a carnivore diet okay um last two um salicylates so uh, salicylates are found in various fruits and vegetables, like a lot of them. Um, these are chemically similar to many of the medications that we use uh, to treat pain, like aspirin. That's as the, the, the actual name of aspirin is salicylic acid. It's similar to a salicylate um, found in white willow bark, you know, um, and these just cause allergy like symptoms in a significant part of the population, but you, you would know if you were sensitive to salicylates, you mm -hmm. would end up with like, um, you know, like I said, allergy like symptoms mm -hmm. if you were sensitive, and which what, is a problem for and a significant what, what food people. groups are, is it again, vegetables, Fruit, and, fruits and vegetables, actually fruits and vegetables. Yep. Interesting. Yep. Okay. That's probably not a huge problem for a lot of people, but they do salicylates do accumulate in your body with regular mm -hmm. ingestion. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the, the sensitivities or the intolerances appear 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road or whatever. Sure. Okay. And then the last one is just phytoestrogens and these are found in soy and legumes. Mm -hmm. Um, these are hormone disruptors. Uh, they're, they have estrogen mimicking effects in humans. Um, like the soy isoflavones are chemically similar to estradiol. Um, and with regular ingestion, it just uh, tricks your body into producing more estrogen than it should be. Mm -hmm. Which is really bad for guys and girls. Yeah, well, think about how much soy we consume sure. in the standard American diet. It's in everything. Oh, my God. Look at the, the fields. It's yeah. all soybean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's basically it for uh, the plant anti-nutrients and plant toxins. But, I, I mean, this list isn't even comprehensive. There are dozens more that we could talk about, too. Man, I, I took away a lot from yeah. that. Yeah. Mind-blowing. And, and it's even sort of... if you don't remember all of them, it's just important. It's it's eye-opening to realize how many plant toxins and anti-nutrients mm -hmm. there are. And mm -hmm. they're found in like a wide variety of these plant foods. Mostly grains are like really high in a lot of them, but yeah. a lot of the vegetables and even some fruits yeah. contain some. Yeah. Well, this is great. Um, I want to switch gears into, so people are thinking now probably like, oh shit, like what do I eat? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
carnivore diet, lots of options. So I printed out our co-movement grocery list, which you can download, um, co-movement.com, co-movement.com. It's free. Um, so I'm just going to run through a list of just options for people. Cause they're probably yeah. thinking like, Oh, I eat chicken all the time. Like okay. there's more there than you think. And correct me if I throw in something that shouldn't be here. Um, grass fed beef, uh, chicken, turkey, venison, bison, elk, eggs, uh, jerky, duck, wild caught fish, pork, organ meats, liver, heart, kidneys, uh, cheese, Milk, yogurt. Does protein list? Yep, pretty pretty extensive. Yep, and not, not only is that like the protein list, but all those things have tons of healthy fats too. Yes, that's so your protein and fat list. Well, I have fat too. So okay, good. Uh, beef tallow. Yep. Uh, which, by the way, if you've never had beef tallow to fry in, awesome. I'm, I, addicted to it. <laughs> nice. I put in salt, beef tallow, melt it down, and you can put anything in it. Literally anything. Some the healthiest fat on planet Earth. And that's why that is a lot of times my full meal will yep. just be like a brick of tallow, sea salt, and I'll throw in anything from eggs to beef to chicken to anything. Yep. And I just put that in a bowl and I eat it with a spoon sometimes. <laughs> awesome. And that's my cat and I feel great. And delicious. So you like, enjoy oh, it. Yep. My gosh. Okay, so beef tallow, pork lard, mm-hmm. amazing, delicious pork mm-hmm. lard. Um, what nutrient was that high in? Didn't you say there was something really high in that? Well, beef tallow and pork lard both have a lot of stearic acid, which okay. is, I mean, one of the healthiest fats that you can possibly eat. Incredible Perfect. for your mitochondria. Yep. Perfect, okay. Um, butter. Yep. Okay, uh, sour cream. Mm-hmm. Um, avocado, no. Okay. No chocolate, obviously. Um, and that might be my list. Uh, bone broth. Sure. You yeah, can yeah. make bone broth. Um, okay. That's the list that I have. Now, that's for strict carnivore mm-hmm. diet. I want to get into quick um, Paul Saladino's version of a modified carnivore diet. We'll call it. Okay. okay sure. Um <clears throat> I'm a fan of this, and this really goes along with episode one, where we talked about the 80-20 rule, right? Mm-hmm. 80% carnivore, 20% uh, fruits, um, and yeah, essentially fruits, mm-hmm. right? Um, so Paul Saladino, Dr. Paul Saladino, um, says meats, raw dairy, fruit, honey, and then and eggs. Um yep. And so that's his version. So he's pretty much all carnivore, except for he's including some fruits and honey. Which adds more choices. Mm -hmm. Now, what's interesting is there are some fruits that I thought were vegetables. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. A lot of people Um, do. So I guess, is it, if the seed is in the plant, then it's a fruit. Is yeah, that like, yeah. the definition? I'm, I'm, no, I'm no botanist, but uh, it's something like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So some common ones that pass the test of Paul Saladino um, to eat on the modified carnivore diet. And this may appeal to many people listening. Um, or it can be a good first step to carnivore. Yeah, no, well, this is how I eat, basically. Yeah. Um, is cucumber, squash, pumpkin, and avocado. Mm-hmm. Okay, those are all fruits. Yep. 
Um, and then there's more, but some of them are nightshades like the eggplant, tomatoes, those are nightshades. So right. I'd stay away from them. Yep. But those sort of, for me, am I forgetting any that you know of? Olives. Olives. Okay. Yep. What else? Coconut. Coconut. Yep. Okay. So you can put coconut oil in yep. there. Yep. Okay. Um, all really good stuff. And according to Paul Saladino is, um, if you're looking for the modified version of a carnivore diet, there's yep. some options with that. Yeah. You know? He might, he might also, well, I know that Paul Saladino lives in Costa Rica and he eats a lot of, uh, um, mango, yep. um, papaya, passion mm-hmm. fruit, you mm-hmm. know, those are tropical fruits that are down in that area. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, this has been great. Uh, so let's finish with recommendations or maybe that is the recommendation. Like someone's listening and their mind is blown sort of how mine half is right now with some of the stuff. Like where would you recommend someone starting? Like instead of just eating just beef and chicken tomorrow, do you have any protocol or tip in on how to make this part of their lifestyle? You know, boy, I I don't know if I do. Like to me, I, I love animal products. I love eating beef. I love mm-hmm. eating, you know, lamb. I love eating eggs. Um, this doesn't seem difficult. And like most people, I think, um, consider like, you know, bacon and eggs, you know, put some cheese in your eggs, whatever, like to be a really delicious breakfast, right? Yeah, I do. So, so to me, this doesn't seem like a, a huge hurdle. Like, okay. you know, if I said have, you know, bacon and eggs for breakfast mm-hmm. or just a plate of scrambled, whatever you like, you know, I, I don't really see that as too difficult sure. to where I have to like give them tips on how to how okay. to enjoy a plate of bacon and eggs yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> or, you know, have a, a huge, like, you know, half pound cheeseburger for dinner. Like yeah, most people sure. would really enjoy that. You know, yeah. cheeseburgers are pretty delicious. <laughs> I think one of the things that people would struggle with is um, the transition of not having sugar. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously this diet doesn't have that. But the other thing too is being prepared with shopping. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> this is like it's not as easy to run to the pantry, right, and get something. Right. Um, so I'd recommend at some level prepping for that transition. Like I and I say this a lot with our farm newsletter. If you don't get that, go to our farm page at our website, subscribe. Um you need to buy in bulk or more so at least I think, or mm-hmm. you're going to be grocery shopping more. You'll be going through more meat, more eggs, more cheese. Right. Yep. Um, so there is a, there's a little bit of change there. I think, um, especially if you're not used to prepping food, mm-hmm. um, unless you're eating all your meat raw, <laughs> which I don't recommend. Um, you know, so that's the one thing that I can think of for people. Yeah, I, I had a little thing here on the bottom of my notes saying, because um, we talked about carnivore benefits, I said carnivore downsides. Mm-hmm. And this is like the big thing that comes up is um, that it's a bit boring or restrictive is what yep, people are going to yep, worry about. Yep. Um, I guess you could look at it that way. Every single diet in the world is restrictive because if you're dieting, then that means you're you're trying to avoid certain things. For most people, it means avoid junk food, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's restrictive. You, you can't eat your Twinkies anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go vegan, then it means you're avoiding all animal products. So it's yeah. restrictive in that way. Like any, if you ever choose like a specific type of diet to follow, it's got its rules, which sure. are going to restrict you from eating something. Sure. So it's not really any different from any other way of eating, except for if people say, I just eat everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
which is most people, you know, yeah. um, but people talk about it being like socially disruptive. Like, you know, if I'm going to a friend's house and they have pizza and wings, totally. like, what do I do? You know, sure. or, um, that you have to meal prep or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it, these are all the same complaints that people make whenever they try to get healthy. You know, it's the fact is like modern humans kind of eat and live in sort of an unhealthy way. A lot of us do. And that's mm-hmm. why we're trying to figure out how to do better and fix our health. Um, so whenever you try to improve your health in any way via diet, lifestyle factors or whatever, uh, you know, <laughs> you're always going to have to go against the grain of what other people are doing. Like people who are eating the standard American diet or people who like to just lay around and watch Netflix or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just something to me, it's just something you kind of have to get over and totally. just say like, I'm committing to this because it's good for my health. And yep. I don't know. This is the same hurdles that people fall into whenever they're trying to change anything for the, for the better. Yeah. And you have to be honest with yourself, like how important is it? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but it's like any goal in life that you're going after, like you said, hurdles, you yeah. know? Um, so yeah, that's going to be a common one, but that's going to be common with anything. Yeah. You know? So yeah. Um, for people listening, um, if you're local to Deansboro, New York um, with our farm, you know, you can stock up on your meats grass-fed beef, chicken, turkey, and pork. Uh, go to our website, co-movement.com, click on farm, read about it, and order if you want. I'll, so. I'll give actually one, uh, maybe the biggest tip that I can think of, which is maybe eat fewer meals. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you're trying to eat like six or seven times a day, little snacks, it's going to be really hard to find an animal product all the time. You're on the go yep. and, you know. Yep what do I throw in my car? I can't throw a burger in my car for later, maybe, or maybe you can. But, um, so for me, like if I'm doing carnivore, like I I've decided I want to self experiment with this and see like how I feel. So next month I'm going to try to do like a couple weeks of carnivore and see how it goes. When I do that, I'm probably going to start eating like two meals a day. I'm thinking I'll have like a breakfast in the morning. That's really big, like six eggs, a bunch of bacon, maybe throw some cheese on the eggs, you know, cooked in butter, like a really big, like thousand calorie breakfast that's all carnivore. And if I start my day like that with a huge heavy meal like that, I'm going to be full until probably dinner time, you know? Mm-hmm. And then at dinner, I'll make like a giant, like half pound cheeseburger or something, you know, something that'll like fill me up completely. So I don't want to eat for the rest of the night. Sure. I think probably carnivore is easiest if you do fewer meals but bigger meals just because it takes away the prep yes yeah i would absolutely agree with that i I don't know how i would do carnivore if i was trying to eat like six six, seven times a day for sure (laughs) i um we will do a another episode yeah yeah to to talk about part three this is part two if you haven't listened to part one go back um, this is part two. Part three will be your experience. What do you yeah. do? 14 days, 21 days? Well, my, see how it goes. I'm going to see how it goes. Okay. So I, I guess my goal is to do 21 days of carnivore. I want to do enough time where I can really see like how I feel on it and yeah. what it's like to try to follow that lifestyle for, you know, an extended period of time. Yeah. But I don't know how it's going to go. Maybe I'll, I'll quit and give up after two days and I won't or like you it. Might stick with it. Or I might stick with it. Yeah. yeah. So we'll do the follow up and I have no idea what I'm going to say. We'll see after I do it. (laughs) But I'm starting that next week. I said I would do it in November and today is uh, October 27th. So after this weekend, I'll, I'll start doing that. Okay. Well, you have to tune in to episode three of the carnivore diet explanation. And, um, 
hopefully this was insightful, you know, for people. Yeah. We're trying to provide free um, educational material for people to help them live healthier lives. Yep. Um, so we've had fun shooting these episodes. Yeah. So give it a shot. If you have questions, uh, email us info at co-movement.com. Uh, if you have a, a podcast recommendation or a topic, uh, yeah. let us know. We love that. Listener questions. Give us something that you want to hear us talk about and we'll dive in. Awesome. All right. We're signing off. See you guys. All right. Thanks guys. Bye.